the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, it's been a marvelous journey looking at the life of Samson. Today, we have one final look. We invite you to join us as we close the week out once again in Judges chapter 16, verses 4 through 20. There have been so many lessons to learn from this man's life, and we've got just a couple of more as you take the time to join us today. Back in Love Again is the title of our message. Here's Pastor Jesse Gastan from Grace Bible Church in Hayward on today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Verse 13, notice what it says. And Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto you have mocked me and told me lies. Because obviously, either there was another tail whipping or they just fled, right? And then we had another space. And here he comes back again. And here's what she's saying. You have mocked me and told me lies. You have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me wherewith you mightest be bound. And he said unto her, if you weave seven locks of my head with the web. Now, the web was this weird contraption that they say theologically is what's, what that, uh, that Delilah had, this kind of web thing. They're, they're, they're asserting they're not really sure that it's some kind of machine that weaves things. OK, so he's saying to her, if you take my hair and weave it and put it in a kind of braided thread. And then notice what he goes on to say. Weave the seven locks of my head with the web. Verse 14, please. And she fastened it with the pin. Now, this is a beam. And apparently what happened was his hair was so long that they could weave it like a a big um, braid and then tie him in a pin in the wall. So remember, when you're reading your Bible, a pin could be a pole. It could be a log. That's the generic version of the Hebrew terminology. It can be a splinter. Remember what Jesus says, judge not, lest you be judged, right? You who are judging the splinter in one man's eye, you got a beam in your own head, right? And the, the idea is that the term beam and splinter are interchangeable. The context matters. Here, it had to be something so strong that when he was tied to it, he's trapped by his what? He's trapped by his what? Ah, We're moving closer to the temptation. So she's working his nerves and she's got him now moving into a more honest uh, discovery of where his strength partially lies. So now this is the nature of temptation. The nature of temptation is that over time, you and I will be inclined to commit more of ourselves to it than we should. At a certain point, it will become vulnerable because now what Samson is doing is playing with his consecration. 
Remember what I told you? I told you that as a Nazarite, he was told never to cut his hair. He was told never to to drink wine. Now, this in the Hebrew culture was also something that had uh, termination dates. Like they didn't have to always not drink wine. They didn't have to always not cut their hair. When they were in consecration mode, they did. They did. But when they were not, they were free. We don't know how long Samson was obliged to do this. It almost appears that he was to continue this until his mission was accomplished. Hence, his hair is long. Are you keeping up with me? But remember what I told you? His hair symbolized his submission to God. Didn't I teach you that? First Corinthians chapter 11, I taught you that the hair of the woman was a sign of a covering over her head. It was a sign of submission to her husband. Does that make some sense? And so... Um, the woman being a type of the church, Christ being the head of the church, we're supposed to be submissive to God. And a Nazarite vow was designed for Samson to demonstrate the totality of his life was in submission to God. Will you listen to me now? Submission to God is where your strength is. Submission to God is where your strength is. You heard our elder hint at it a little bit earlier. When you and I surrender, then God is able to take our surrender and fight our battles with us and for us and through us. Does that make sense? Psalm 18, verse one through three. Give me a few more minutes. Listen to what the psalmist says uh, to affirm this. I will love you, O Lord, my what? I can stop right there because notice what's going on here. David is saying that what God it's requiring in our relationship with him is that we love him. But that's the nature of the power of faith as well. And faith is what God requires for us to please him. Is that right? Does anybody know that? Without faith, it's impossible to what? And faith always works by what? I want you to understand it then. When you and I are failing to maintain a clear understanding that our motive in relationship to God must be one of love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Once you're operating outside of that love as the basic motive, you and I are inclined not to obey God. Love drives faith. Faith drives trust. Trust sees God come through in time of need. I'm going to say it again. Love drives faith. You say you have faith. It must be predicated upon the love of God. And if you do have faith, it's going to compel you to trust God. And when you trust God, God's going to come through. Is that true? Listen to the next verse then. Notice what it says. The Lord is my rock. He is my fortress. He's my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will what? That's what Samson was thinking. Wasn't he? That's what he was thinking. And he thought it to the point of becoming presumptuous. You know how we can just think God's going to come through every time? Because I claimed it. Who cares what you claim? You know, folks claiming everything. I claim it in Jesus' name. And then God doesn't show up. Now you're mad at God. But that's because you broke the principle of love at the foundation, faith as the expression, and trust as the evidence. 
See, God said it in the day of trouble, call upon me and then I will deliver you and you will glorify me. Are y'all ready? Right about now, you and I can sense that Samson has failed, fallen prey to his own machinations and is not quite trusting God. He's letting that girl get way too close to the symbol of the secret. Now she's about to unconsecrate him. See, when we're supposed to be submissive to God as we are and we don't and we just do it our own way. That's why we are singing the hymns what we do. This is why we stay in the hymn book. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Because folk don't actually say that about God. They do whatever they want to do. And it's like going around as a woman with your head bald. You're telling everybody, I don't do what God says. I submit to no one. I'm my own boss. Am I making some sense? I told you that was the Delphi Oracle model for the female priests in the temple that the Corinthians started wanting to mimic. They wanted to raise up women in the church and have them leading. And they were cutting their hair and being bald and looking like a man. And this is what Deuteronomy said, right? A man shall not wear that which pertains to a woman, nor a woman put on that which pertains to a man. No cross dressing in the kingdom of God. No cross dressing in the kingdom of God. And every woman that walks in a lack of submission, it's as if she were practicing witchcraft. Nothing is more obnoxious. And to have a head who lays down his life for you. And we walk in treacherous rebellion against it publicly and openly. I don't have a head. I'm bald headed. I don't have a covering. I want the air to breathe through my skull. You see what I'm getting at? Samson is now pushing up against the contamination of his uh, sanctification and, 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 and uh, consecration. And notice what happens. This is really interesting. So notice what he says. The Lord's my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Beautiful language, isn't it? We run to him. We hide in him. We go to the top of the tower. All the enemies are surrounding us about. And in the tower, we are safe. The Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run therein and are what? Saved. But what if you're not running into the tower? What if you're tempting God by playing games on the outside of the tower? I think that's what we end up being when we become presumptuous with God in the midst of temptation. Am I making some sense? Here it is. Let's go. Verse three. This is the last one. Psalm 18.3. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Do you remember it? I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be saved. So shall I be saved from my enemies. He hasn't done it yet. He hasn't done it. He hasn't done it. There's going to be a big gap between what's about to happen and him calling upon the Lord. Go back to our text so I can finish up. I'm just going to show you the ugly truth of the gospel here under point number two. So much to learn, isn't there? So much to learn. Sold into bondage, verses 15 through 17. Are we there? Notice what it said. 
After he said, uh, if you do this, you got me. And she said in verse 15, she said to him, how can you say you love me when your heart is not with me? Because obviously the beam thing didn't work. You mocked me these three times and you have not told me where in your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words. There you go. You guys understanding. Can you sense the nature of temptation driving you to rebel against your God? So that his soul was what? Vexed unto death. I remember a man almost two, uh, 2,100 years later saying in John's gospel, chapter 12, my soul is vexed even unto death. Do you know who that man was? His name was Jesus. It was the night of his betrayal. Let me start right here. He had walked for three and a half years with a harlot church, with a Delilah type society, with a treacherous type uh, of companionship that sold him out just like Delilah sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. His name is Judas Iscariot. Am I making some sense? Delilah has gotten up $5,500 silver shekels in this verse. And Samson now is about to discover that God left him. Am I making some sense? And Jesus felt a sense of the mysterious abandonment of God. It's John chapter 12. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful. He felt the weight of darkness on him. You know what John's gospel says in chapter 13. As they were sitting in the upper room, having the last supper, and Jesus is about to wash their feet. The scripture tells us, and Satan entered into Judas. And that same night, he left. And Jesus said it again, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Are you with me? After he had washed the disciples' feet. He knew he was in trouble as a man, as a man, as a man. He's sensing the betrayal of the closest companion among him. And he's fulfilling now Psalm 109 verse four. For my love, they have all become my adversaries. See, in our text, Samson is truly now about to be alone. Where the Judite brethren? They're not around. He's all by himself. Delilah has, has betrayed him, has she not? The Philistines are on the way, but he was good until he allowed his consecration to be disturbed. And now the spirit of God is departing from him. Are y'all seeing the text? It's a picture of Jesus Christ entering into the final hours of his temptation. Look at it. Notice what it says here in verse, uh, verse, uh, verse 19. And she made him sleep upon her knees 
after that she had cut the locks from his head, that's verse 17. If I be shaven, then my strength will be gone from me and I shall become weak and be like other men. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines saying, come up this once for he has showed me his whole heart. Then the lords of the Philistine came to her and brought the money in their hands. They were all convinced this time, weren't they? The money has been given. He has been betrayed. She made him sleep. Do you see that? She made him sleep. And she called for a man and she caused him to shave off the locks of his head. What kind of sleep is that? That's the sleep that I'm telling you about. It's the sleep of the world. Once you cozy all the way up, you cozy all the way up. There's nothing in your conscience. There's nothing in your spirit. There's nothing in your discernment that tells you how much danger you're in. You're actually asleep with your eyes wide open. And the Bible tells me in 1 John chapter 5 around verse 19, the whole world lies in the lap of the wicked one. Sleep. In spiritual darkness, and a lot of Christians are there right now. Sleep in spiritual darkness. And his power was symbolically cut off. He let her touch him. That's what John says. The man or the woman that's truly born of God, the wicked one will not touch them. She let her, he let her touch her while she was asleep. And notice what it says. The seven locks of his head were shaven and she began to do what? Afflict him and his strength went from him. I'm going to unpack this more fully next week. We need to. You and I need to understand what it means to be trapped by the world system. When carnality turns you into a slave, even though you say you're a child of God. Look at the next verse. Notice what it says. Verse 20. And she said, the Philistines be upon you, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep. Yeah. He awoke out of his sleep. Now watch the presumption, child of God. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times. You see how presumptuous? Listen, now he's talking in the first person, ego-centric eye. What about the Lord? Where's the Lord, Samson? What are you doing? You're acting like by your own strength, by your own power, by your own might, you have gotten this victory. How foolish, child of God. See what I'm saying? He's not praying. He didn't pray. We saw the prayer. He didn't pray. And this is what this is how you know when the world has got you. You're not praying to God. He said it in the scriptures. God says the hypocrite, the hypocrite will not stand before God. God will not hear his prayers. And it's not because God can't hear the prayers of a hypocrite. He hears mine. It's because the hypocrite won't call on God. Through the pride of his continence, he'll just or she'll just try to keep doing what they're doing until God has to come with severe judgments. Listen, he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before and I will shake myself. And he did not know that the Lord was departed from him. How tragic. And look at the next verse. I'm going to I'm going to cap this off with a gospel consideration, and then we're going to come back and unpack it next week. Here it is. But the Philistines took him. Do you see it? That's Jesus, John 18. They took him. And then they put his eyes out. That's called an act of humility. That's what you do with a ruler in those days. 
Again, he's now going to be a visible optic to everybody that he's a blind slave. Do you see that? He's a blind slave. That means he has no discerning powers anymore. He can't reason through. He can't see and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison. He went from being God's prominent seer to a blind slave from freedom and power and authority and dominion over the Philistines. Now he's an ox grinding for them. Do y'all see it? He's grinding for them. Don't lose the picture. Because this describes that period of time wherein your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, was bound by our sins too. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And God laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And Isaiah says he's God's blind servant. Seeing but not perceiving and hearing but not understanding. This is what Christ had to become for you and me. This ugly scenario that you're looking at, this is a picture of the sufferings of Christ. Would you agree? It's a picture of your, your Savior's suffering. We'll pick that up next week. See, it's the reason for which you and I should love him. See, Samson is in the condition that he's in, Brother Matt, because he loves. Everybody loved, that he loved put him here. The Jews put him there. Where he is right now, the Jews put him there. Am I making some sense? Right, I told you, out of every one of the 11 tribes, there should have been 10,000 men that joined with Samson. This whole thing would have been over with. The people of God would have been free. And now our brother is ignominiously humiliated to the point of a gazing stock. This is Jesus Christ hanging between heaven and earth. As the sinner's substitute, as the Lamb of God bearing the weight of our sin, it shouldn't make us happy. It should make us humble. Because we know how the story ends, don't we? It's not time to celebrate, though. It's not time to celebrate. It's time to consider, isn't it? Are we more like Delilah than we are Samson? And how must this girl feel after going through all of that to get that pittance of money? How must she feel? How must, how must the Jews at that time feel now that the only judge of Israel is not only now not free to help sustain their liberty, but now he's the center of mocking everywhere. And that's what they did with Jesus. When they bound him, they mocked him, they spit on him, they ridiculed him, they slapped him in the face, they blinded him with a blindfold and said, prophesy now, tell us who did this. Am I preaching Jesus right now? And this is where you and I got to be careful. Children of God, we got to be careful. We got to be careful when we're on holy ground. We got to be careful the price that Christ paid for our freedom. Here's what I will say by application. And we're going to come back and unpack this because there's a lot there. 
Christ paid for your freedom, but he didn't pay for you to act a fool. He didn't pay for you to live out your life in carnality and folly. He didn't pay for you to love this world. He paid for you to love him and to love sinners evangelically with the gospel. That's what this lesson is about. Amen. Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, worship times, how to get here. Grace-Bible.com is our website. Again, that's Grace-Bible.com. If you wish to give us a call, the number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, our address is 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street. Here in Hayward, the zip code 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. One final note as we close out our time today, this program is listener-supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area, as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.